You, are your expectations high of what God's going to say today? Amen. Well, if you've never heard me before, I'm a hollowback preacher. I don't mind if you shout me down. In fact, it just makes me preach even better. I, I, I kind of tie into the room. So this is a big room. So if you, if you shout me down without interrupting me, by the way, uh, if you shout me down with something I'm saying, let me tell you, it's just going to fire me up to just preach it even harder. Amen. Virtue comes out of me when you tug on what I'm saying. Amen. All right. We've been in this series called This Is How We Fight. How many have been blessed by this series? Look at all the hands. It's been an amazing series. Pastor Maria kicked it off. It was on fire. I call her, I call her Pastor Machine Gun Maria because she was just firing off. And then Pastor Kevin went the second week and we finished the last few weeks of, of just sharing. This is how we fight. And we've been learning about putting on the armor of God. We've been learning about the weapon of gratitude. We've been learning about all these things that really show us that when we fight for Christ, we don't have to lift one muscle. Last week he spoke about the power of our praise. That when we worship, it is a weapon in the hands of God. Amen. And I'm excited today to continue this message and finalize this series on this is how we fight. You know, I believe that one of the ways that we can fight, in fact, the, the title of my message today is, God's presence is my weapon. God's presence is my weapon. And if you want to follow me today, you can follow in uh, the notes on the app or you can take notes. There's Bibles all over this place that you can be able to grab a Bible uh, for free and, and be able to follow us through the Word of God. But I want to start off with this, you know. When we, when we started studying and going into theology and going into Bible school, I, I took a class on, on psychotherapy, pastoral counseling and, and psychotherapy. And believe it or not, pastors deal a lot with counseling, a lot of guidance, a lot of helping people get through certain seasons. And one of the things that really impacted me was the ministry of presence. The ministry of of presence. In other words, sometimes you don't have to say a word, you just have to sit on the side of a hospital bed and not say anything. Simply sit there and the ministry of presence will say more than whatever you can ever say with your mouth. I've learned it in ministry that sometimes people just need you to be in their corner. Sometimes people just need you to be right there with them. I've not only learned it in ministry, but I've learned the ministry of presence in family. That it's important that sometimes I just shut off the phone and just focus on what my son is saying or focus on what Mimi is saying or focus on what my friends are saying. Because the ministry of presence has power. When, when we can be present in the moment. When we can be present in what's going on, when we can listen to what's happening all around us and know the details of the conversation instead of just saying, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah. And then she says, what did I just say? Uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what I said, right? How many of you have ever been there? You got caught just saying, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. Come on, man, you can't leave me standing up here by myself. <laughs> but the ministry of presence is important in family. The ministry of presence is important in ministry. The ministry of, of presence is important when we gather together in the presence of God. 
See, see, if we just gather and we sing, but his presence doesn't come in, we just had a great karaoke moment. We need his presence to descend into the place of worship. We need his presence to descend into that living room, into that car, into that bedroom. You need his presence in every moment of your life. Amen. And I say this, friends, because I've learned, I learned very young. I got married at 19 years old, but I learned to be a man very young. And I remember when we bought our first house. We bought our first house. I was 22 years old when we bought our first house. We bought a, a brand new build of a house in Kissimmee, close to St. Cloud, uh, Florida. Um, and we bought in the first phase of that development. And uh, I remember moving into the house and saying, this is my house. This is my house. This is my house. I, we bought this house. This is our house. We're not renting anymore. This is our house. Like, we're paying taxes on this house. <laughs> this is our house. <laughs> you know, and, and I remember that, that since we bought in the first phase, there was a lot of development going on. And then we heard rumors that there was people coming in the middle of the night and stealing supplies, like lumber and, 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 and bathtubs and stuff like that. And I remember one night, our kids were very young. Manny Jr. was probably about two or three years old. Alex was about one years old. And I remember one night, it was the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, we were sleeping. It was a good night. We were sleeping, and all of a sudden, I heard glass break. And, and friends, I wish I could tell you that my stealth uh, uh, infrared glasses came down and that I had some things in my hand and I was able to go all around to see what was going on. I wish I could tell you that's what happened, but that's not what happened. When I heard the glass break, I jumped out of that bed and I started to yell. I mean, I started to yell. I was like, hey, 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 hey. And I kept on just saying, hey, hey. And all of a sudden I heard a voice said, be quiet. Be quiet, be quiet. And when I turned around, it was Mimi telling me to be quiet. And she said, it's Manny Jr. He was trying to get in the bed and he knocked over the glass of water. All of a sudden, all the adrenaline, all my Jedi powers, all of everything that I had to defend what was mine, just fell, and I, I felt this weight over my body because of the adrenaline rush. You ever been there? And, and, and then she, she then said this to me. She said, she said, by the way, don't get in the bed yet. He needs a diaper change. She says, you're already up, so might as well change his diaper. Praise God for daddies that change diapers. <laughs> but listen... I thought the threat was coming from the outside, but the threat was actually inside. You see, I didn't need a weapon, I needed a wipey. <laughs> and listen, friends, I, the reason I share this today is because many times we are fighting battles thinking that the threat is coming from the outside, when actually the threat is inside. And we're, we're using a lot of emotion and a lot of strength and a lot of power and all these things are debilitating us, not realizing that people are not our problem. Sometimes our problems are from within. Yeah. 
You see, sometimes, my friends and, and brothers and sisters, the problem is not a money problem. The problem is a tithing problem. Sometimes the problem is not that you're lonely. The problem is that you're not connected in fellowship. <laughs> sometimes it's not, it's not that nobody loves you. It's just you haven't connected to an equipped group or you don't come to a Wednesday night or you're not in a small group yet. Sometimes it's just you haven't done your part so the threats within don't continue to, to, to cause problems without. You see, sometimes the defensive mechanisms that we create are actually the enemies within, not the enemies without. And that's what I want to share today because I believe, friends, that if we can walk in the presence of God, if, if we can walk in God's presence, we don't walk, have to walk in defensive mode against people anymore. We don't, we don't have to walk thinking that anything and everything is a threat. I'm going to say this real quick and then we're going to move on. I don't care what variant comes. I don't care what bio-warfare comes. If you have Christ within and you have the presence of God within, you can walk in the confidence of Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6 tells us of an armor of God. Pastor Maria started and kicked, kicked off the series talking about the armor of God. But I just want to say this quickly. You know, the first thing that he talks about is the helmet of salvation. Who is our salvation? Jesus Christ. And then it talks about the breastplate of righteousness, being in right standing with God. Who is our righteousness? Jesus. And then it talks about putting all this and tying it all together with the belt of truth. Who is our truth? Jesus. And then it talks about the shield of faith. Who is our faith? Then it talks about the sword of the spirit. Whose spirit do we have? Jesus. And then it talks about the sandals of peace. Who is the prince of peace? So when we put on the armor of God, we're putting on the presence of God. You need to walk in his presence. Take that armor out of the closet and put it on every single day of your life. Stop hanging it up and taking it off. You don't put it on when you come to church. You leave it on all the time. God is calling for a people that are fearless. He's calling for a people that do not retreat. But they run forward. They stand strong. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul talked about the, the, the armor of God. Because, the, see, if you look at the armor of God, it's not medieval armor. It's not that heavy stuff. The armor of God protects the front of you. It doesn't protect the back of you. Because God's soldiers never retreat. There's a reason why it's the breastplate is in front of you. The belt is on top of you. The, the, the sandals are on you. There's a reason why the, why the helmet is on you. There's a reason why the shield is not on your back. The shield is in front of you. It's because the enemy's going against everything that's in front of you. He's coming against the promises of God that he set before you. He is not threatened by your past. He already knows it. He already knows where you came from. He already knows your past. So stop running away from the enemy and start running forward. God's not looking for cowardly Christians. I remember when we were leading our church, we would have people calling us saying that there was, there was demon possession in the house. And I would talk to the man and say, stand up and go rebuke, bro. 
Stop. You don't call me. I'm not Ghostbusters. Get in your house and anoint your house and begin to pray over your family. Stop watching the stuff you're watching in your house and start declaring over your house that God is with you. Our greatest weapon is the living presence of God. But many times we don't know this because we're not confident in who God is. And when we don't know who God is, we rely on our own strength. And I want to share a couple of things that we know about God. There's some pretty powerful things that we know about God. We know that God is omniscient. Somebody say omniscient. Omniscient is a big word simply to say that God is all-knowing. This is important that we know this today. God is all-knowing. In fact, Matthew says that he has, knows every hair on our head. Every hair, hair on our head is numbered by God. That's how much God knows about you. Some of us don't have any, but he could see, he could see what's going on and what's trying to still grow. Amen? Not only that, but the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's constantly roaming the earth. He's looking for those that are committed to him. He's an omniscient God. He's an all-knowing God. There's nothing that you're thinking that he doesn't already know. Isn't it good to know that Buddha can't do that and Muhammad can't do that? Isn't it good to know that the universe can't do that? <laughs> Isn't it good to know that the Big Bang can't do that? Isn't it good to know that there's one God that knows every single thing before you were even formed in the belly of your mother? He knew you. He ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Not only is he omniscient, he's omnipotent. Omnipotent, um, omnipotent, potent, potency. He is all-powerful. Isn't it good to know that God is all-powerful? You know, the, 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 the Old Testament, the, 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 the Jews would call him El Shaddai. Which meant that he was all-powerful. Isn't it good to know that we serve a God that has all the power in the universe? Psalms 33, 6 says that the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. Listen to this. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Now, now I, I want to say this because the psalmist said it, he merely spoke. You know, we sometimes look at movies and, like, and we think that God had this big voice. And he said, he said things like, create now the heavens and the earth. The psalmist said that he merely spoke. <sighs> Let there be light. With simple breathing, he created the universe. With his breath, he created the stars. That's how powerful our God is. That his words create things. That's the kind of God we serve. Psalms 115.3 says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. In other words, there is no one over him. There's no one reigning over him. He is God. He is El Shaddai. He is the greatest of all time. Hallelujah. Tom Brady may be great, but he is the GOAT. He is the greatest. He is the strongest. He is the all-powerful God. And then lastly, he is omnipresent. 
That means that he's everywhere at the same time. I love that, friends, because I don't know about you, but there's certain areas I can get into that I lose my bandwidth on my phone. But God never loses bandwidth. <laughs> we were in the mountains and we started losing bandwidth. Let me tell you something. God does not lose bandwidth. It doesn't matter how high you go, he's there. It doesn't matter how low you go, he's there. He's in every part of the earth. There's no way that he's absent. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. God is spirit. God is not a spirit. I want to say that because in order for him to be a spirit, somebody had to create him. He is spirit. And because he is spirit, he has no geographical location. He's everywhere. By the way, I'm just setting a good foundation for where we're going because in a minute we're just, we're, this place is about to just take off in the name of Jesus. He, he's spirit. He has no spatial dimensions. Psalms 139 verses 7 through 12 says, where can I go from your spirit? <laughs> where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my, my bed in the depths, you are there. There's no way you can hide from him. There's no way you can be in a place where he doesn't know where you are. I don't care where, you're, or where you are, where your feelings are. God is there. He's omnipresent. He's with you. And he wants to be with you. He wants to stand with you. How many say amen to that today? So today we're going to learn on how we can overcome with the presence of God. I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 6. If you can find that in your Bible. You may want to find it in your notes as well. 2 Kings chapter 6, I want to share a quick synopsis. The kingdom of God is divided. There's the kingdom of Israel and then there's the kingdom of Judah. They both have different kings. And during that period there was prophets for each kingdom. Because God never stays silent. And it doesn't matter how divided the nations are. God will always send his word so that the word of God could always be present for the people that need him. And while the kingdom of God was separated and divided... There was a man called Elisha, and Elisha was the successor of Elijah. Elijah was the, the prophet of fire, but Elisha was the successor that asked for a double portion of his spirit. He wanted to do double what Elijah did. But you see, Elisha was God's secret weapon. God's secret weapon in the sense that he had the discernment to see what the enemy was about to do. He had the discernment to see what the enemy was up to. And in all of this, God's kingdom would reign and God's kingdom would be victorious because the voice of God was being transmitted through this prophet. Isn't it good to know that we have the word of God today? Isn't it good to know that we have our Bibles today? Isn't it good to know that we have a church that speaks the word of God every single week? Because when you have the word of God in your life, you can get ahead of what's happening in life. So, so, so I want to say this. I want to share with you, I want to share with you three keys to see your way through victory. Number one, you need to see things in the spirit that you can't see with your senses. God wants you to have the ability to see things in the spirit that you can't see with your senses. 
You see, life right now is showing you something that you're beginning to believe. But if you start believing what the Word of God says to your life, you can stand confidently knowing that although you're going through trials and tribulations, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And we find here in verses 8 through 12, we're going to read this together because it's important that we set the foundation through the Word of God of what's happening. There's a king named, there's a king from the, uh, the, the place of Aram, which is Syria. And it says, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such a place. But immediately, somebody say immediately. Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of our plans? It is not us, my lord and king. One of the officers replied, Elisha. The prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. I love this. Elisha had the ability to see in the spirit what was not being able to be seen by the senses. And I believe that God wants to raise up people that will become proactive instead of reactive. You see, you've been reacting to what the enemy throws at you. You've been, you've been reacting to what the world throws at you. You've been reacting to what Satan throws at you. And God's saying, instead of reacting to what's about to happen, what if you become proactive and you foresee it, then move from it? I can't tell you how many times Mimi and I have been in our prayer time and I told her, Mimi, I sense spiritual warfare coming our way. We need to be ready. And through that, we've been able to be proactive of what the enemy is going to throw our way. It's not that you're living paranoid. No, 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 no. Do not live paranoid. Do not do like what I did coming off my bed. It's that you live sensible to the spirit. It's that you are sensible to what God is doing, but sensible to the strategies of Satan. I just want to say this quickly in parentheses. Spiritual warfare is important that you know it will come to the Christian believer. But you don't have to fight and look for it all the time. You just have to look at the patterns. Look for the patterns. You see, it's okay that sometimes you become sick. But if you're constantly sick, you need to look at the pattern. It's okay that sometimes there's some strife in the family. But if there's always strife, you need to look at the pattern. It's okay that you're tempted. James says that we will be tempted, but he will give us an exit. But if you're always tempted, you need to look at the pattern. Because anytime there's a pattern of consistency, it is spiritual warfare trying to come against you. And that's where you really got to know what you got to do. You know, God is all present and God sees all things. If, if Elisha was able to see this, it's because he was getting this from God. I just want to let you know that God sees all things. He sees it all. He sees who you are here, and he sees who you are out there. When I was young and I was in private school, there was a song we used to sing, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Who remembers that? For the Father up above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, 
what you see. It talks about, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you speak. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Can I tell you that God sees all things? He sees all things. I'm not trying to scare you and tell you that he's a boogie monster looking at everything you're doing to say, aha, I found you. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is you need to, look, you need to be careful where you go. Not only with your feet, you need to be careful where you go with your mind. If you don't, if you don't guard where you go with your mind, you will, you, your mind will drive you crazy. You see, all the warfare happen, that happens is in the battleground of your mind. Read Joyce Meyer's book, it's real good. And if you're not careful, you will allow your mind to go to different places. And God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to stay focused. Somebody say, stay focused. So we got to be careful where we go. We got to be careful where we go with our mind. And, you know, it's easy. We're, we're four weeks away from, five weeks away from Christmas, from the new year, 2022. And many times we say things like, new year, new me. New year, new you. No, 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 no. That doesn't exist, my friends. New you, new neural patterns. New neural pathways. Nothing changes if you don't change the way you think. I'm trying to help somebody. Nothing will change in your life until you stop entertaining certain things in your life. You got to change your habits. You got to change how you start your day. You got to change how you live. You got to get up and fight again. You will no longer react to the problems of life. God wants you to become proactive and stand strong in what he's called you to be. Amen. Number two, choose your fights wisely. That's important, friends, because you can't waste energy on small things because when the big things come, you won't have energy to fight them. God wants you to choose your fights wisely. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Which means that if there's good fights, there's bad fights. He doesn't want you to fight bad fights. The bad fights will waste your energy from the moments you need to fight for your faith. And he wants you to stand strong in what he's called you to be and do. Have you ever been in a place, friends, where you've asked yourself, does God even see what's happening in my life right now? I'll say it even deeper. Have you ever asked yourself, does God still love me? Well, I just want to encourage you today. The proof is in the pudding. You ever heard that before? Let me say it this way. The proof that God loves you, the proof that God is with you is in the problem. Sometimes God wants to prove himself through the trial, through the tribulation, through the battle, through the test. Because it is, it is there where he becomes a present help in your time of need. The Bible tells us that they prepared the army and the chariots. If you read verses 13 through 14, that now the king of Aram began to come against Elisha. Because Elisha was a problem to the king. Here's my question to you. Are you a problem to the kingdom of darkness? Are you a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Listen, because if you're not facing any kind of warfare, then you're not a threat to anyone. Only those people that are fighting forward, only those people that are progressing forward, only those people that are changing the world are those that will always have opposition. If you don't have a fight in your life, then you're living stagnant. 
Oh, but God, but, but Pastor Manny, the Bible says that I can live in peace. Yes, but peace is not the absence of conflict. In order for there to be peace, there has to be conflict that's res resulted and dealt with through the peace of God. I, I live in God's shalom. No, 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 you're avoiding the real issue. I live in God's peace. No, 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 you're putting it under the carpet. It's going to rise up again. You've got to face things. You can't be a coward. You've got to face things. You've got to speak up to things. You've got to speak with people that you have problems with. That's the only way you get God's shalom, God's wholeness. That's what the Bible says. And that's how we deal with it. He was a problem. And you'll never face any kind of resistance. If you never face any kind of resistance, the devil's not threatened by you. And I, I just want to speak this because there's people here that have been going through some stuff this year. And we're a few weeks away from finishing out this year. And I just want to say this. Spiritual warfare is a sign that greater is coming. You see, he will open up the Red Sea for you. He, he, he will give you the strategy to, the, to defeat giants. He, he, he will allow the enemy to throw you in the fire and you will not burn. You see, he will close the mouth of lions for you. He will open up the prison doors in your favor. These are all things of people that overcame. And you can overcome as well. That's what God is saying to us today. And lastly, the greater the problem... This is number three. The greater the problem, the greater the opportunity for God's presence. I'm a preach. Look what verses 15 and 16 says. When the servant and the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. I, I, I want to do something real quick. I need some volunteers. I need some Arameans. I need some enemy enemies. And I want to call some people up. Uh, this is important that I do this. They can't be too tall. Nothing against, nothing against uh, uh, small people. I need them to be average-sized people because they represent the enemy. So I want to call up a few people. Uh, can I get Phil Valenzuela? Phil, where are you, Phil? Phil? Let's give it up for Phil as he comes up. I need, I need, I need Dana Hankins. Where's Dana Hankins? I need you to come up here, sit at the table. I, I need Marvin Couch. Where's Marvin Couch? I need Marvin Couch. Where's Marvin Couch? I, I also need, where's Kenny? Kenny Hefner. Kenny, where are you? I need you to come up here, brother. Come on, come on. And just sit at the table with me. Sit at the table with me. Sit at the table with me. You know, you know what Psalms 23 says, friends? Psalms 23 says this, that... He, he's talking about the shepherd, the good shepherd. He prepares a table where? In the presence of my enemies. I, I want to tell you that sometimes insecurity is going to try to sit at your table. I want to tell you that sometimes seeking approval of people that don't even know you will try to sit at your table. I want to tell you that shame will sometimes try to sit at your table. I want to tell you that loneliness will sometimes try to come and sit at your table. You see, loneliness has a few steps. It begins with isolation. And then it and what happens with isolation is it becomes oppression. And from oppression, it becomes depression. And from depression, it becomes possession. You got to be careful with becoming isolated. But if you're not careful, these people, these enemies that don't have names, they're not people. They are things that try to infiltrate into your life. Will try to come 
and sit at the table. But the good thing is that the good shepherd in Psalms 23 says this, that he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. You see, it's okay for you to... And you can live confidently. Don't mind me if I eat some grapes. It's okay that insecurity is sitting at the table as long as you don't feed them. <laughs> this isn't my plan, Maria. As long as you don't feed insecurity, loneliness, shame, as long as you don't feed pride, pride will try to come and sit at your table and try to make you think that everyone else is wrong except you. And they'll try to talk to you. You see, lo loneliness will begin to talk to you. Loneliness, talk, talk to me, talk to me. You're all alone. Nobody's with you. Shame will begin to talk to you. Shame, you can't believe it. You're no good. I'll eat if I want to. <laughs> uh, uh, um, um, not only that, seeking approval will try to talk to you. No, I don't agree with you. You see, and they'll all try to speak to you, but as long as the good shepherd is preparing a table, you don't need to focus on who's around you. You need to focus on who's serving you. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to help me in this place. You see, we need to stop telling God how big our problem is, and we need to begin telling our problem how big our God is. You see, we live praising our problems. And God doesn't want you to praise your problems. He wants you to praise your God. See, Elijah's servant couldn't see it. Elijah's servant was focused on the natural. But I pray that God reveals this to you today. I pray that God can reveal to you today what Elisha prayed for his servant. His servant could only see that they were surrounded with enemies. Can come here. Can come here. Ken, 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 Ken is that one, that one spirit, that one enemy that just lingers around you, never sits down, but you know he's always there. You're not literally, Ken, you're a great guy. I'm just, this is just a part of the situation we're doing here. But I say that because we didn't have a seat for Ken. But there's a seat for you. See, the table was never set for them. They will try to sit at your table. The table was set for you. The reservation was for you. God set the table for you. So stop thinking that everything that's going on in your life is happening to you. No, 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 no. It's happening for you. Stop living as a victim. You are victorious in Christ Jesus. So, 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 so the servant couldn't see it. So look what Elisha does. Don't be afraid, Elisha told them, for there are more on our side than on theirs. There's more for you. So I need some help. I need some more volunteers. I need God's angel armies. No offense, guys. I love you, Arameans. All you Arameans, you guys are great. But now, now I need to call for God's army because the Bible says, Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So, so I need some more volunteers. I need some, I need some, I need some strong, tall people. 
So, so is Ron Conkaby here? Ron's a strong guy. Ron, can you come up here? Yeah, let's give it up for Ron. Uh, is David Terry here? David, David does CrossFit. He's a strong guy. He's one of my friends. No, Mike Rios, you're a tall guy. Where are you, Mike? Where are you? There's Mike. Let's give it up for Mike Rios. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Claude, Pastor Claude, join us. You're a tall guy as well. Come on, come on. Let's give it up for Pastor Claude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck, Chuck Gabriel. Where's Chuck as? Chuck here? Chuck, I need you, man. You're a tall guy. I need you up here. And just surround, just surround this area. Just surround this area. Lance, Lance, I need you, bro. Come up here. Come up here. I need some, I need some tall people. Uh, um, um, Eddie Harrelson, one of our church elders, where are you? He's a tall man with a beautiful voice. Is he here somewhere? Is he here? Is he here? He's not, he's not, nobody sees him. Is he here? He's coming? Let's give it up for Eddie as he comes down. Come on, everybody. And, 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 and. And I need Mario. Mario's a tall guy. Mario's like 6'6". Six, six. Like 6'6", six, six, guys. 6'6". Six, six. He's a tall guy. He could dunk on anybody. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and, and lastly, lastly, I need D'Amica. I need D'Amica. Now, listen. We're, I'm at the table, and I could just look at what's around me. But if I allow God to open my eyes, I'll be able to see that there is more for me than those that are against me. The Bible says that the angels were angels of, with chariots of fire. The Bible says that God opened the eyes of the, ser of the servant and he was able to see that God's army was greater than any enemy that was coming against them. And I want to just speak that over your life. Stop focusing on what's around you and focus on the God that's above you. Now, you're, if you're not careful, stand up, guys. Look, get off. Let me just get one of these real quick. You guys come over here. Enemy, come over here. I'm chewing, so it gives them time to get surrounded around me. Enemy, come, come close. Come close. Come close. Come close. Come close. Come close. If you're not careful, you will allow the media, you will allow your friends, you will allow uh, everything all around you to talk louder than what the Word of God says about you. But if, if you can look beyond this, in the heavenlies, Amen. the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places. Amen. I need the angel army to come around. Angel army, come around. You see, all these voices will begin to speak into your life. All these voices will begin to tell you what you are not. All these voices will tell you that you are surrounded and nobody's with you and nobody's for you and will speak condemnation. But you got to focus on the God that's around you. You see, I learned something from watching a lot of A-Team and a lot of movies, and it's when SWAT comes in. SWAT will say stuff like this. Come out. With your hands up, we have the place surrounded. <laughs> the enemy, the enemy, the enemy will try to tell you, come out with your hands up, we have the place, the place surrounded. surrounded. And the enemy will try to convince you to give up and to retreat and to stop fighting the fight of faith and to give up on your marriage and to give up on that business and to give up on church and to give up on your leadership. And God is saying, it's okay. Come out with your hands up. We have the place surrounded. And you know what I say to that? You know what I say to that? Okay. Because the moment my hands go up, 
is the moment that God's angel armies fight in my favor. I need a church right now that can recognize that your surrender is God's victory. When you're willing to surrender your will, it's the moment that God fights for you. It's not with your strength. It's not with your power, but by the Spirit of God. That's why we're growing weary. That's why we're tired, because we're doing it in our own strength. And God is saying, stop fighting with your own strength. Fight in my spirit, and you'll never grow weary. You'll never grow tired. You'll never want to give up, because he's for you. So, so, you're not supposed to be clapping. You're the Arameans. <laughs> the Arameans. I said, you just feel it, don't you? You feel it. Let me tell you something, friends. As long as you're at the table, it doesn't matter what comes against you. As long as you're at the table, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. You can fight your battles knowing that even though I am surrounded, I am surrounded by you. Even though I feel surrounded, I'm really surrounded by him. Because this is how we fight our battles. We fight our battles with the presence of God. Now I got to finish and just say this. I got, I'm two minutes over. The Bible says that God, that Elijah told God, God closed their eyes, blind them, that they do not come this way. And he went down and spoke with them and he said, hey, the guy you're looking for, he went that way. And the Arameans went the other way. And then God's servant said, should we kill him now? He said, no, 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 no. We don't kill prisoners of war. We're going to refresh them. What I'm trying to tell you this is the enemies you fight today, God wants you to treat them with kindness. Revenge is mine, says the Lord. You don't have to find revenge in anything for anybody that did anything to you. You let God fight your battles. That's the grace of God. When you can allow God to fight for you, it doesn't matter what the enemy's thrown at you. It doesn't matter if the spirit of Jezebel rises up. It doesn't matter if the spirit of Absalom rises up. It doesn't matter if the spirit of Haman rises up. You can stand up strong knowing that God is for you. So this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Even though we may feel surrounded, we're surrounded by God. And I just want to declare that over you today. Can you stand on your feet in this place? Thank you, team. Thank you, everybody. I feel like God is speaking to certain people today. You see, when your confidence is in the presence of God, somebody listen to this because this is for somebody. When your confidence is in the presence of God, his presence is what you're responding to, not your circumstance. I want to say that again. When your confidence is in the presence of God, his presence is what you respond to, not your circumstance. Stop speaking to the storm. Stop speaking to the circumstance. Speak to God. Oh, but, but, but the Bible says that he spoke to the storm. He's God. He can speak to storms. You speak to God, he speaks to your storm. He's for you. He's for you. 
There's people here that have been dealing with, with real emotional and spiritual depression. I sensed it while I was praying for this message. There's people that have been dealing with isolation and you've been hiding yourself from people. In fact, you spent Thanksgiving by yourself because of the anxiety and the social anxieties you're dealing with. And God is saying, no, 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 I called you to be a part of the ecclesia. I called you to be in koinonia, in the gathering of the saints. I want to speak to someone that's watching right now. You haven't, you haven't been in church since the pandemic started. And, and let me tell you, online, online is great, but it's a supplement. It's a supplement. It's not the real thing. You need to be a part of a church. You may live in Chicago. You may live in New York. You need to find the local church. You need to be a part of a group of people that you can touch and they can be tangible, that you can touch and agree with. But I want to come against the spirit of loneliness and depression and anxiety. And I want to declare over your life that you can live victorious. It doesn't matter what's surrounding you in this season. You're surrounded by God. There are more that are for you than those that are against you. God is with you. God's angel armies are with you. The psalmist said it this way. He said, the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him. I want to tell you, if you love God, if you respect God, if you have reverence for God, there are angels of God that have encamped around you. Hallelujah. I just want to declare this in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue raised against you shall be condemned. He's with you. He's with you. So I want to make this altar call. We're going to do things a little different because this is the last sermon of this series. And we've been talking about this is how we fight. How is it you fight? You fight through worship. You fight through living in God's presence. You live in God's presence and you, you recognize that you don't, have to, you don't have to look at what's in the natural. You focus on what's in the supernatural. So I pray God opens your eyes today to see that there is more for you than those that are against you. And what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use it for your good. So as I pray, I want to declare for anybody to come to this altar. If you want to cry at this altar, if you want to worship as we sing this last song, we're going to sing, this is how we fight our battles. And I'd love to see how you fight your battles. Please don't do like Pastor Kevin said several weeks ago that somebody was doing Taekwondo and Karate. No, 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 you fight your battles by surrendering to God. Come out with your hands up. We have the place surrounded. And you know what you say to that? Okay. Okay. Because the moment my hands go up is the moment God's presence comes down. So, Father God, I bless your name and I thank you for this moment. God, I believe you've spoken to your people. You've spoken a specific message. God, that although our tables may be surrounded, you're serving and you, you're preparing a table in the presence of our enemies. So I pray today, God, as we go into this Christmas season, that we may sit at tables with our families and that your presence may be in our homes. That your presence may be in every area of ministry and business and employment. That everywhere we go, your presence may go with us. It was Moses that said, God, if you don't go with us, we will not go. And therefore, God, we need your presence. We need your Shekinah glory. We need you to walk with us. We need your presence in everything that we do. So, Lord, as I culminate this message and this prayer, I am believing that people will leave depression. 
People will stop living in defeat and will live in victory. People will now have restoration in their families and in their marriages. Their finances will be restored because they're not focused on those things around them. They're focused on you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Josue, can we sing that? There's a table that you've prepared for me In the presence of my enemies This is it It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight my battle Hallelujah See, there's a table there's a table that you've prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight my battles And I believe
I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Let's see it all together, say. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like. of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't fight it with your own strength. You need to be spirit-filled. And there's people here that you've been, you've been entertaining Christianity, you've been going through the equipment classes, and you've been listening and receiving the information, but God says it's not just information, it's transformation. You need to be spirit-filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need to lift your hands in this place. I see hands lifted all over, all over this place. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to speak in another tongue. That way you can, can confuse the enemy. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a fresh fire. A fresh fire to come upon people that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's time to stop playing church. And God wants you to be a warrior in his army. And warriors stand up strong in the boldness of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, baptize afresh. Quiet it down for a second. I just want to speak to the Holy Spirit. And I just want to declare over people in this place that he may baptize you afresh. I know we're over a few minutes, but that's okay. That's okay, that's okay. Uh, I just It's important that you leave here with the full covering of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you haven't, you haven't felt the, the touch of the Holy Spirit in a while, you need to be baptized again. You need to be, you need to be filled again. You know what the verse where we, that we preach says? It says, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Then he says, he anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I pray for a fresh anointing over you. A fresh anointing. I, I see God touching people now. He's touching like a wave. He's touching. He's touching a fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing in the back. A fresh anointing to my right. A fresh anointing to the left. I pray that young people may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop entertaining the things of darkness. Stop entertaining the things of darkness. Stop entertaining pornography, horror movies. Stop entertaining those things. Live in the presence of God. Reman in the name of Jesus, fire upon that young lady right there. There's fire upon that young lady. Fire. God, this message was for you. This message was for you. This message was for you. Fire upon you in the name of Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's filling you afresh right now. He's filling you right now. He's filling these hands. He's filling these hands. Fresh fire in the name of Jesus. Fresh fire. Fresh fire, fresh fire, in the name of Jesus, fresh fire. So it may look like, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it 
me look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hallelujah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You're here today, and you're hearing the message and the gospel of good news for the first time. The Old Testament says that the presence of God would come down like clouds. The presence of God would come upon specific people. New Testament says that because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, we have all now received the Holy Spirit, and therefore, His presence lives within us. If you're here today and you don't know Him, and you want to accept Him into your heart, and you want to know Him as your Savior, this is a great opportunity to say yes. Pastor Manny, I want to give my life to Jesus. Yes, Pastor Manny, I want to be surrounded with the presence of God. And I, I want his, my name to be written in the book of life so I can spend eternity with him. If you're here today and God is speaking into your life, at the count of three, I want you to lift your hands and say yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Lift your hands if you just want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Yes to Jesus. Anybody in this room want to say yes to Jesus? Yes to Jesus. You want to be saved by grace? You recognize that you are a sinner, but you recognize also that you're saved by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? I'm scanning, I'm scanning. Anybody in this room? All right, since it's just us and we're family, can you lift your hands one more time as we close out? We're going to keep singing this, but if you got to leave, you got to pick up your kids, you're welcome to come right back. Is that okay, Pastor Kevin? If you got to go check out your sons or your daughters, Bring them back into the presence. Listen, I am the product of sleeping under pews, and I am okay psychologically and emotionally. It's okay sometimes that the services get a little long. It never hurt anybody. So if you need to pick them up and bring them into this house right here so they can be in the presence of God, bring them in. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May his blessings follow you today and all the days of your life, and you may be a witness wherever you go. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.